Um, but then they also used to speak to me about, you know, how they started their app and or their website. And they used to tell me, you know, about the UX research that they did and the UX experience. You know, they really wanted this app to be impactful for the user. And sometimes um, they would talk about, you know, things that went well and things that didn't go so well and why they had designed their app in, in a particular way. And I, when I was speaking to them, I always kind of found myself problem solving in my head. Like I'd be thinking, oh, what could they have done differently? Or what could they have changed? Or what should this look like? Um, so UX design just really became an area that I became very interested in. And um, fast forward to the pandemic, when everyone was quarantined and working from home, I, I just had more time to read about it. So I started reading about UX design. I started watching videos online. And I decided actually that I really liked it. And although I had been working in fashion for a long time, I also felt that it was an area that I could lend my, my fashion and my journalism experience. My guest today started her career working as a stylist for sets like CBS to home and lifestyle extraordinaire Martha Stewart and a host of renowned brands including Amazon, Saks, Macy's and L'Oreal to name a few. The fashion polymath that she is, she's also worked as a fashion journalist writing for publications like InStyle to the Times in the UK. She has always been fascinated by the intersection of digital and tech with the world of fashion. She found her experiences to be valuable in the tech world as a product designer and user experience researcher for Adobe. My guest today is Amena Balachi. Welcome to the show, Amena. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast today and really looking forward to hearing more about your journey. Uh, why don't you talk to us about how you, because you're originally from London um, and you found yourself in New York and you've been here for quite some time now. So how was that journey for you? How did you break into fashion in the UK? Want to hear more about that? Yeah, it's funny. So um, I grew up, as you mentioned, I grew up in London and I always found myself, um, you know, watching American TV shows and I used to be fascinated by the American culture. And I always said to myself, oh, you know, I would love to live in America. So then, um, you know, skip, skip about 10 years or so, I went to um, London College of Fashion. And during my time there, I had the opportunity to do an internship. Um, and it could have been anywhere. It could have been in London, but I decided that I wanted to do it abroad. So at the time I was studying, I was doing my degree in fashion, journalism and promotion. So I decided that I wanted to do my internship with a magazine in America. And so I literally started writing to literally every publication. I made a list of the publications that I would love to work for. And I started emailing all these different people. I explained to them what I was studying and that I would really love to come and do an internship in America. And fortunately, I heard back from a few publications and I decided that I wanted to do it with InStyle. So InStyle responded to me and, you know, they were a leading publication here. So I was like, okay, great. I would love to do an internship with them. So I, I was actually over here one summer and I had an interview with them. And um, they basically said, you know, that I could do a three months internship, which would be paid, which was great, because at the time in London, internships weren't paid. So even that was new to me. Wow. And, um, and so, yeah, so I came over here during that summer, I believe oh, I started yeah. in June. And I, I came over here and I did an internship for three months. I actually think it was extended. I think I did it over my summer holidays. Maybe it was even four months and then part of September. And, and I just loved it. I loved the culture. I loved the team. I loved the diversity that I saw in New York. And I decided that in the future that I would love to live in America. At the time, I was in my second year of university. 
So in London universities, three years for most courses. So mine was three years. And I was in my second year, but I had decided that, you know, when I graduate, I would love to try and come back and work here and live here. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of my journey. Amazing. So I know you mentioned the shows were some of your inspiration and how that sort of drew you in. But I myself have, you know, other designer or creative friends. I've worked with creative friends in London before moving here. And I would always hear, you know, there are so many more, there are many more opportunities um, in America if you're in the creative or design industry. I want to hear your thoughts on that. How true is that? How true has it been for you personally as well? Yeah, definitely. I think here, when I came here, you could open a magazine and you would look at the masthead, which is the, the front of the magazine that says everyone's editorial role. So you'll have the editor in chief, you'll have the fashion department, you'll have the beauty department, you'll have the news department, you'll have the features department, you'll have the, um, the art department, you'll have all these departments. And um, here there were just so many roles. Like I would see the market editor, I would see the fashion assistant, I would see the, the beauty editor, I would see the beauty director. And I felt like there were just so many more opportunities. Whereas in London, you could open a magazine and you would see fashion editor, beauty editor, like literally all of, I don't know, you know, t- 10 jobs at the magazine. Wow. So here I just saw that it was such, um, it was a bigger industry and I just felt that there were, there were more, more opportunities here. And also being, you know, a lady of colour, when I came here to do my internship, I saw many editors who were black and who were doing really well here and I think at the time that was something that I didn't really see in London so it also made me aspire I felt you know I could do I could do really well here I you know I could become an editor here I could you know I could be successful in the fashion industry here so I think that was also something that drew me to America. So the journey to tech then what sort of fascinated you and drew you into the tech world? Yeah, so as I was saying, um, again, skip a few years. I, I eventually actually did move um, back to America. Fortunately, I was offered a position at CBS on the early show, and I was doing fashion styling for TV. And then, um, then I, so I primarily started out doing styling. And then a few years ago, actually, I moved back to InStyle. And at there, I had the opportunity to work on... Um, a feature that we had called Badass Women, where we used to feature 50 different ladies in different sectors who we considered badass, who were doing, you know, really well in their industry or who had just somehow made an impact to society. And there I got to interview um, a number of founders and um, one particular founder that I interviewed, well, actually there were many, there were so many that I interviewed that, you know, I really admired what they did. Um, But then they also used to speak to me about, you know, how they started their app and all their website. And they used to tell me, you know, about the UX research that they did and the UX experience, you know, they really wanted this app to be impactful for the user. And sometimes um, they would talk about, you know, things that went well and things that didn't go so well and why they had designed their app in in a particular way. And when I was speaking to them, I always kind of found myself problem solving in my head. Like I'd be thinking, oh, what could they have done differently? Or what could they have changed? Or what should this look like? Um, so UX design just really became an area that I became very interested in and um, fast forward to the pandemic when everyone was quarantined and working from home I I just had more time to read about it so I started reading about UX design I started watching videos online and I decided actually that I really liked it and although I had been working in fashion for a long time I also felt that it was an area that I could lend my my fashion and my journalism experience to Um, So I decided that actually, you know, I would love to kind of pivot into this area. So I thought, okay, let me look at different reputable courses. Um, So I started looking at different universities who offer courses. And then I spoke to someone who actually recommended General Assembly. 
and I looked at their UX design bootcamp and, um, and yeah, it just seemed like really something that I would enjoy doing. It was only over four months. It was something that I could do in a short period of time that would really give me knowledge about the UX design industry. Um, so I decided that I wanted to embark on that and I actually applied um, to General Assembly. Unfortunately, I was successful and was offered a place there. Amazing, amazing story. So I can see the natural progression from your background and how that is actually valuable from a user experience uh, researcher designer perspective. But did you actually consider any of the roles before UX in the world of tech, just looking from the outside in? And if so, why did you decide uh, perhaps not to go down that path? Yeah, um, I think, you know, I love the process of creation. And I and I also looked at, you know, coding and engineering. And I was kind of like, okay, is that something that I would also like to do? But I decided that I preferred UX because there's really, um, there's a creative element to it. You know, you're designing, you're really designing that user experience. Also, there's the opportunity to speak with users. So it's also similar to journalism. So I'm getting to engage with the customer and getting to engage with people who are actually using the product. And that was something I really liked about it. So I thought it would, um, it would lend itself better to my past experience and it would be something that I would enjoy more. Yeah, that makes sense. So what has been the most sort of surprising aspect of transitioning into a role in tech or just the tech world in general? I think how friendly people are. And, and you know, I, I literally say this to everyone. You know, I've come, I've come from the fashion industry, um, which can be interesting. And I, and I wouldn't say that people are horrible that people are interested. <laughs> you, you get a lot of you get a lot of different characters. characters. There's um, unfortunately a lot of insecurities there. There's a lot of um, a lot of competition there. So you get you get different kind of characters, which makes the industry very interesting. But with tech, I found that people are very laid back. People are very fun. People are very kind. People are very nice. Um, I've really enjoyed working with my colleagues um, merely for that reason. You know, they're just nice people to be around. Um, <laughs> that sounds terrible not that actually to be honest you know I really enjoy working in fashion too and, and there were there are nice people in the industry but I think it's it's just a different kind of climate it's a different area yeah and um the you, the, I, the characters I've come across in tech you know I really like and I like the environment there I mean, now you're sort of exposed to two very sort of massive and distinct networks, fashion and tech. So the synergy of that must be incredible. Yeah. Curious, what, what are the perks like? Have the perks been better on the tech side or do you still enjoy some of those perks on the fashion side more? Um, I, I, you know, I think they're different. I, I think what I like about what I like about tech and having my past experience is that I've also been able to participate in a lot of kind of marketing events for Adobe. And that's been something I've enjoyed, um, you know, speaking with influencers and people like that, because obviously that's a, that's an area I'm very familiar with. And it's a lot of influencers and different communicators that use our products and photographers. So I work with Lightroom. So I've been able to speak with photographers and it's funny because obviously previously when I was working in fashion, I worked with photographers so that I was on the other side. Side. So now it's really interesting to speak with them and see what they want from our products. Similarly, to speak with influencers. When I worked in fashion, I worked with a number of influencers. You know, I used to interview them and stuff like that. So it's actually nice now to again see how we can help them and what they want from our products. Cool. So talk to us about what your first project um, as a designer, user experience researcher, what was that like? Take us through the thinking, the tools, everything. I think um, so it was interesting, actually, because I think at General Assembly, there's a certain way you learn to do things um, as a UX designer, but ultimately you're not 
you're not in the industry. So I think one thing when you when you start when you start working with a large corporation such as Adobe, you have to learn the way things are done within the corporation. So I think um, it was interesting to see, you know, okay, so how does Adobe recruit users? How does Adobe conduct interviews? How does Adobe do different things in order to help that UX research experience um, to ultimately help improve the product? So I think that that was that was interesting to learn and just speak with other UX researchers and designers to see how things are implement, implemented sorry, within the company. So you obviously come from a non-traditional tech background and your perspectives are still incredibly relevant, as you've mentioned in various ways. How do you think it has helped you? And in, in answering that, maybe think about someone that comes from a different non-traditional background. How do these perspectives help you um, to navigate and position yourself to go for a career in tech? I think for myself in particular, because I work with Lightroom, which is a photography product, I think it's been helpful because I've worked with photographers in the past. Um, so I'm able to bring that to, to my research. I'm able to bring that to product design when I'm speaking to them and kind of really seeing what do they want from our product. I think regardless of whatever career um, background you come from, there's always something that you can bring to UX research and design because you're, you're thinking with a different mindset. So you don't necessarily have to have studied, you know, computer science or something like that. I think um, career changes and people such as myself are very valuable to the industry because they'll think of things differently. Whereas someone, you know, who's coming from a traditional tech background might give a traditional answer be like oh why don't we just do this but then someone who's coming from a different background such as mine might be like oh why don't we consider this but why don't we maybe think about this also and and I think you'll just ultimately bring in a different perspective in some occasions which can really add to the product and to the industry. So let's talk a little bit more about your Adobe internship, which obviously then led to your full-time opportunity. How did you navigate that space? And would also like to hear your thoughts in terms of, you know, someone else that might be trying to break into the space. How do they go about trying to get experience without having experience prior, basically? Yeah. I, I think one thing I would say is never say no to an internship. So someone like me, you know, I have been working in fashion for a number of years, but I was new to UX. So um to have that internship was invaluable for me to, in making that pivot. Um, and I think it was useful because as much as I, you know, I did study UX design, it was good to see how things are done at Adobe particularly. And that internship helped me with that. So I think um, number one, never say no to an internship or think, oh, I've, you know, I've got all these years of experience in this field. You know, I don't want to do an internship because ultimately it can help you and it can also lead to a full-time role as it did in my case. And um, I think... I think, yeah, it's really about gaining experience. If you're trying to make a pivot, I think it's important to gain experience in the industry. That can be done by doing an internship or volunteering. So, you know, finding a small brand that's looking to redesign their app or looking to redesign their website and going through that whole process with them. So doing the UX research, then doing the designs, and then you can add that to your portfolio because I think ultimately that's what an employer will want to see, that you have some experience, that you understand the UX design process and that you're able you're able to prototype, that you're able to drop designs, that you're able to, um, you're able to think, you're able to have design thinking as they call it. 
Yes, design thinking, that's incredibly important. And I don't know if you could just talk a little bit about design thinking, actually, because I said that to someone and they thought I just meant just the UI of things, but would love to hear your thoughts around design thinking. No, so I think um, with UX research, it really starts from the beginning. So it's called the double diamond process. And you're really, okay, so you're, you're really trying to problem solve, basically. So you're thinking, okay, what does the user, what are the problems that the user are having and then how might we solve this problem? And then you kind of go into implementing that into designs. And then what are the problems that the user are having? So that's the beginning. So you'll start off looking into that space by doing UX research, by doing interviews, by um, doing card sorts and different methodologies that you can do to see what are the, the what problems are the user having in that space. And then, um, then you're looking at what is the problem and then you're looking at, okay, how can we design for that problem or around that problem? Fascinating. So if you were to look more on the long-term side of things, do you think your tracking tech will ever suffer from automation? Um, and, you know, what does that look like to you? Yeah, it's funny. When I saw that question, I was like, hmm, could it? Like, is, is there a robot that's coming to take my job? <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't, I don't think so as such, because number one, you know, I, you know I'm a UX researcher as well. And I think that that's so unique like you really have to speak to people I don't think and and when you're speaking to people you're you're prying into what they're saying so you're probing there's questions that if someone says um yeah I love the app then I would go on to say why what do you love about it you know there's certain things that I don't think a robot would be able to do um although even in interviews I have a script I'm always like asking something else and I don't think the ro- a robot would be able to do that or any AI feature but who knows if the way things are going these days god who knows possibly and then when it comes to designing um you know there's a number of AI features we've introduced into our products and I think that's an area that's definitely expanding and somewhere where design is being made easier, but there's still there's still an aspect like you still have to implement something in order for that feature to work, if that makes sense. So again, I don't think that whole experience could be automated. Um, so to cut <laughs> to, to shorten my answer, I would say yes. There's areas within I think the research and design process where automation will be could be and will probably be implemented but I don't think it can take over the whole process no I think there'll still be room for me somewhere fortunately (laughs) so having AI or tech as a body to help your whole process be easier but not necessarily take it over they'll need that human in the loop okay um so what Outside of, so obviously, you know, you work in Adobe now, but outside of that, what are the other sort of exciting industries that people could consider or that you think are also interesting? And, and why do you think they are to apply your sort of UX product design skills to? Yeah, I think I think one area that I would really push is UX research. I'm a UX researcher and designer. And I think uh, research is an area that's often overlooked. But in in every product, you know, it's an, it's an area that is so important. And a great thing about research is that um, you don't necessarily need to come from a traditional background. There are so many career paths that can be useful into a career of research. 
Um, so that's something that I would want to push because, you know, even just in thinking about, you know, how the, the products can be improved, it's all these different products out there. It all starts with research. And then, you know, we speak to the designers and we tell them what we've learned from the research. And that's usually explaining what the user really needs from this product. And then they implement that into design. And, and so if you think about it, that's almost the most important area because it, it influences the design. Um, and so I, yeah, I would really push that UX research area. I think that's, if someone's thinking about UX design and really wants to focus on UI, that's definitely something that they should also explore um, UXR, which is UX research. I think what's another area that people can consider? I think those would probably be the main two that I would mention. Well, so typically I meet product designers or I meet user experience research people, but you've actually have both roles combined. How did you manage to secure that? And what's actually challenging about trying to do both as well? Well, well, yeah, that, that's the thing. You're almost doing double the job because as you'll find at most companies, and which was new to me actually, because within at General Assembly, you're yet learning design and research. So when I, when I completed the course, I was like, great, I'm going to be able to do everything when I go on to find my first job but then no when I started speaking to all these different companies they were like oh, okay so do you want to be a researcher or a designer and I was like oh but I know how to do both I, I want to do both and they're all like to me no at our company we either have um, researchers we have the research department and we have the design department and there are occasions where designers will get to do their research but researchers will never get to do design so that was a struggle for me so I was kind of like okay where can I go um, where I can have the opportunity to be able to do both. And that was fortunate that Adobe have given me that opportunity, but a lot of companies actually won't. You'll be doing one or the other. Um, so I think it's really important to kind of be thinking about what you want to nail in on what you prefer doing, if it's design designing aspect or the research aspect. Because if you graduate um, from a boot camp like myself, chances are that you will know how to do both. Um, so I think you have to really see where do your where are you stronger, what area you potentially stronger in. That said, actually, at, um, at different agencies like McKinsey, BCG, and different design agencies, um, there you'll actually also get to do both there because they work in faster paces. So you're working with new clients who, for example, come to the agency and say, "We want to launch, um, we want to launch a beauty app." that will allow people to, I don't know, buy beauty products in this particular space, but we don't know what it wants to look like, but we don't know what it, what we want it to look like. So in at an agency, you'll have um, UX designers who will do both. So they'll do the research and they'll do the design. So they'll be telling the client, look, we spoke to your kind of your target audience and this is what they want. Um, and then this is what we're going to design for you based off this. So looking at it more from a, a micro level, from a project perspective, in the projects you've been engaged on so far, what have been some of the challenges of actually running a project um, from start to end and how have you tried to tackle or deal with them and what have you learned from the process as well? What have been the challenges? Um, I think... In my case, it's probably been timelines because, you know, with a, with a company like Adobe, we're often working to a very fast pace. And if you're doing the, the, usually you're working on one, you're working on the design or you're working on the research. But if you're working on both, um, sometimes it might still be within the same time frame. So um, for me, it's almost double the work and it has been, um, yeah, it has been, yeah, so basically I say that to say that it's often working within maybe a smaller time frame to do both jobs is probably a challenge. 
sounds like a lot, but it sounds very exciting as well. And so do you have any advice for someone wanting to pursue a path similar to yours, non-traditional background, really excited at the intersection of, you know, being able to do something like product design even or user experience research? What would you say to them? What advice would you give to them? I think um, I think it's really important to do your research, <laughs> no cliche or no pun intended. But um, yeah, it's really important to, to speak to different people in the industry, find out about their experiences. You know, one thing I did when I when I was at General Assembly, I made a list of all the top companies that I would really want to work for. And then I went through LinkedIn and started adding people from all of those companies randomly, like people I didn't know. I just added people from, you know, um, from yeah, from all these different companies, and then I, I asked them if they would be open to doing a coffee chat with me, just for me to hear more about you know their role within that company, what they do, what the what the lifestyle is like at the company. And, and fortunately, all of them were receptive; they were happy to speak with me, and that really gave me an understanding of what working at these different companies could look like, what their culture was, and that was that was invaluable for me because it really made me. Um, envision where I would want to work and it really gave me an understanding of what UX designers do um, within the real world you know what their day-to-day look like so I think it's important to speak to people um, about that and see that this is an industry that you definitely want to go to you know you might have a coffee chat with someone who explains their day-to-day and you suddenly decide actually that doesn't sound like what I want to do so I think the, the most important thing is to do your research make sure it's a field that you want to go into and also look at what you might want to specialize in. So you can go into, or you can go on YouTube and you can Google UX researcher, the life of a UX researcher, and you can find out a bit more about that role. You can also Google the life of a UI designer and you can find out a bit more about that role too. And I would say, try and maybe decide which one you would want to specialize in more, because I think there are courses that are more UX research focused and then there are courses that are more UI design focused. And it would be important to know which area you want to, to go into, to know which course you should potentially do. And what sort of resources have helped you the most along the way that you could share with listeners as well? Well, funny enough, I would actually say that LinkedIn was a big one. You know, speaking to all those people at those companies and hearing exactly what they do was really useful for me. Also, there's something called um, UX Coffee Chats. I I believe it's run by Google, where they have different people in different industries that are willing to lend time and have coffee chats with new designers or people who are just looking to pivot into that that field. And I spoke to a number of people through that, um, which was also useful. I think medium, um, medium medium.com is a great site um, where you can read about, you know, what's going on in the tech industry. Different people write different articles about different things related to design. Um, That was useful. I think there's been so many like books and resources that have been useful um, just generally on the internet. Like sometimes, you know, I I think Google ultimately is your best friend. You know, sometimes I would just Google things to get, to just get, uh, um, to get a, a better understanding of different areas within the field. And then that would lead me down some loophole that leads me to some website that leads me to something else. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's very useful. Very cool. So where can our listeners connect with you online as well? Um, so I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Omina Boachi. And you can also find me on Instagram. I'm uh, Omina Stylelink. And, uh, and I think that's about it. <laughs> I'm, well, not, I'm, I'm not on TikTok yet. You might see me, you might see me <laughs> dancing on there tomorrow, but not right now. 
dancing with fashion in one yeah. hand and your well it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show today Omena we wish you every success in your career um, and at Adobe as well thank you so much thank you it was lovely speaking to you and thank you so much for having me on the podcast